River Bank, we believe you can heal, grow, and fulfill God's plans for your life as the power of God touches you through this prophetic teaching by Pastor Dominion. Get excited and hop into it. Say loud, amen. amen. All right, we're starting a series that I've titled Superior Principles for Effective Prayer. Say superior principles for effective prayers. Say one more time, superior principles for effective prayers. And very soon you're going to understand why I call them superior principles. However, today we are narrowing down to the topic, principles of selfless ambition. Say principles of selfless ambition. Oh, say it one more time. All right. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Is your heart opened? Are you ready? Luke 11 verse 1. Read everybody. Want to go? I can't hear everybody. Want to go? very beautiful. He says, and it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. You know, this is so remarkable because if Jesus was your pastor, you probably would never have told, asked him to teach you how to pray. Say, Lord, I have this need. And so, when we are doing a series on prayer like this, there are different kinds of people in the room. There are people that say, oh, you know how to pray? Please pray for me. And then there are those that have been taught how to pray and think they don't need to learn how to pray. There are those that think I know all the principles. And then we say, do you have corresponding results? And so identify yourself this morning. Because many times you think a series on prayer is just an opportunity to prod you to be serious with your prayer life. Not realizing that it is to equip you. It's not just to equip you for this month or to make you pray in this service. It's to equip you for life and ministry. Lord, teach us. I realize that many people just pray the way they know how to pray. And so in this series, I want your heart to be open. I want you to receive like a sponge. Lord, teach us how to pray. I want you to come like a novice and say, what do I need to know? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Lord, what do I need to know? John has taught us how to pray, but you teach us how to pray. And it's interesting that they came to Jesus. Because when you read John chapter 11, you have an insight into how effective the prayers of Jesus are. Verse 41. 
It says, look at this. Oh my goodness. Let's read together. I want to go. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laying. And Jesus lifted up his voice and said, what? Jesus lifted his voice and said, what? I don't like how you read it. He said, he lifted up his eyes, I beg your pardon, and said, Father, I thank you because you have heard me. Oh, that's a lesson on his own. That's a lesson on his own. Because for many people, after you finish praying, we say, did God hear you? Has God heard? Has God answered? And they are not sure. They are not sure. But this is Jesus about to raise a man that was dead for days. I didn't hear what I'm saying. And he said, Father, I thank you because you've heard me. Verse 20, 42. He says, and I know that you hear me what? Oh my goodness. So, the man does an audit of his prayer requests and sees that everything in the box has been checked. With that in mind, the disciples came to meet him and said, Teach us. There is something to learn about prayer from Jesus. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter what you know. If, you, if this is not your result, there's something to learn. And even if this is your result, there's still something to learn. Because there are things we don't pray about. The Bible says, able to do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think. There are things we want to ask for. We think about it, but we never ask. Because we are scared. Because I would ask, how many of you have gone to a dead person to lay your hands and say, rise up. Lazarus, come forth. How many of you have seen crippled people on the streets and say, oh, just wait a minute. And they tell the man, in the name of Jesus, stretch your hands, rise up and walk. Not because you don't have the intention, but you are not sure it would work. You are not sure. I see how you act when you are sure. When they say, is there anybody that has a pain? Before I finish, you just turn. You are not even waiting to check yourself. You are turning. Who is that person? Let me lay my hands. And I see you praying because you know it would work. I see the confidence you have in some of the gifts of the Spirit. When I say give someone a prophetic word, you are like, this is what the Lord says. You are confident. But I know that you still have things to learn in prayer because there are some issues you run away from. There are some issues in your family that everybody's praying about that you refuse to pray about because you don't want to face the disappointment from unanswered prayers. There are situations you've not invested yourself in praying about because you don't want to feel the disappointment of unanswered prayers. You don't want to get to a point where you say, but I prayed. God, I prayed. What happened? He says, I know that you hear me always. This is that month and that year that you challenge the things you've been running away from. One day, we'll pray for the cripple and they'll rise. When is one day? When exactly is one day? 
They say, Father, I thank you because you hear me always. You say that you know how to pray. You're a prayer machine. But we see you avoiding some situations. There are many situations you've heard about and everybody's praying about. But you never say, you know what? Like Daniel, give me time. Give me time. Because you are not very sure that there will be answers. Father, I thank you. This is the experience of a man. It means that the way prayer works and the way prayer is designed is that if you know how to pray, this will be your testimony. Father, I thank you. Listen, you say that Christ impacted his righteousness on you. So as he is, so am I in this world. I am the righteousness of God. So you've seen that as a man, Christ's experience in righteousness is your experience. Christ's experience in holiness is your experience. How God anointed Jesus Christ. He did miracles by the Spirit. You do miracles by the Spirit. So you claim that there are things that happen in the life of Christ that are also your experience. I'm saying one of those things is answers to prayer. Father, I thank you. As God, you can't pray. To who? To who? This is the experience of a man. It means that, listen, listen to me. I want you to change your perspective about prayer. You know the way you've been, you've, you've been taught from the word and you've convinced yourself according to the word that you are righteous, that you are holy, that you are saved, that you have the spirit. You must convince yourself that the experience of a man, according to the Bible, our experience should be, Father, I thank you because you hear me always. This is why we're learning superior principles for answered prayers. Just practice one more time. Say, Father, I thank you because you hear me always. But today we're narrowing down to selfless ambition. And this is where prayer starts from. Because many of us don't understand what prayer is. We think it's an opportunity to bully God and boss him around. You know, you are bullied as a child, you are bullied in secondary school, you finally have an opportunity to bully somebody. And so you are like, God, go and get me bread. Come back, give me water. Where is sardine? Where is butter? Listen, the idea and the practice of prayer among many Christians makes it seem like they are God. Some even threaten God. If you don't answer this prayer, you see what I'll do to you. I'll stop serving you. That's what I'll do. God, they are threatening him. Some say, I told God. You told who? God? God. He said, I told God that if he does not do it in seven days, God, though. I'll stop saving him. God is like, hit up hell seven more times. Let me see. Praise the name of the Lord. Don't worry, he's a merciful father. Prayer is not the opportunity Christians have to achieve their selfish ambitions. 
prayer is not the edge that Christians have, the supernatural advantage they have that would aid their selfish ambitions. Because, listen, if you check the prayer life of Jesus, the prayer life of the apostles, the prayer life of the early church, and you put your prayer requests beside their prayer requests, you will see that their prayer requests agree. They were praying the same thing, but your prayer request is strange. Your prayer request is strange. Did Jesus need money? Yes. Did we see him pray for money? No. Did the apostles need money? How do you think they were going by sheep? How do you think they were feeding? But did they pray for money? The Bible says, in case you think it's because they didn't have economic crisis, the Bible says there was crisis, there was economic meltdown in Jerusalem. And so, they did not say to the church of Corinth, now we must intercede for the church in Jerusalem that our headquarters will not shut down. Let the phones come. They were not praying the prayer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Instead, they were praying prayers that were advancing the kingdom of God. Now, this is the, the interesting thing about it. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, Seek the kingdom of God first. He says, and these things, food, clothes, he says they will be added. They were not praying for food. They were not praying for clothes. God was adding it because they were praying for his kingdom. You are praying for food, praying for clothes in hopes that when you get it, you will now serve God in spirit and in truth and in fervency. You see that you've got it backward. You know what Joshua said? Um, Moses said in Exodus, he says, you shall serve the Lord your God, kingdom of God. He says, and he would bless your bread. He will bless your water. He will take sickness away from you. So, they were preoccupied with advancing the kingdom of God. And God was providing bread. God was providing clothes. You are invested in praying for clothes. In praying for food, in selfish ambitions. You're not getting it. Oh my goodness. You know what Jesus told his disciples? One time he sent them out, and it's very interesting because there was a time that Peter went to fish and he said, Did you catch anything? He said, Nothing. Then he called them and began, they began to do ministry. He said, When I sent you, did you lack anything? He said, don't go with money. Don't go with extra clothes. Don't go with extra shoes. Did you lack clothes to wear? Did you lack shoes to wear? Did you lack food to eat? Did you lack a house to stay? They said nothing. So we see consistency in the Bible. Now, here's the challenge. Some of us will claim, but I'm saving God. I'm not seeing it. Hold on. Hold on. The same way you think you've been praying, but you've not been able to say, you answer me always. 
Let's know what serving God looks like. Before you accuse God, I'm serving you. I'm not seeing my bread and my water being blessed. I'm not seeing you providing things for me. Hold on. Are you actually serving God? Because Jesus told us how serving God looks like. He said, you will love the Lord, which is how you serve him, and you will also serve him. He says, with all your hearts, with all your strength, with all your might, with all your mind. Is that you? That you have invested, you know, you are, you are spending and you are spent for the gospel. Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? Because sometimes we have this superiority mentality. Oh, I know the gospel. I serve in a good church. This and that and that. But is it true? You are setting your own example for yourself and you are marking it. Are you serving the Lord with all your hearts? Can we see passion? Can we see desire? Can we see zest? Can we see that this person is serving God with all of their hearts? No need for supervision. Before you say you are serving the Lord, you should ask those questions. Do I need to be followed up to serve God? When I'm tired, when I'm discouraged, do I keep serving? Can I say I am spent for the gospel? Aha. Because when we look at the life of Moses, the narrative was different. In his service to God, on account of his service to God, he left Egypt. He forsook all the pleasures of Egypt, the riches of Egypt, the gold of Egypt. On account of God. Meaning, Moses, quote-unquote, had a high-paying job, but he was going to violate his conscience and his service to God, and he says no. You'll have said that's a foolish step to make. Why did you leave that job? Good paying job that we're already sharing testimony in church. Why did you leave it? He said, it won't give me opportunity to serve God. He said, which service? Huh? How do you leave that kind of job? Moses left it. I'm saying this because God is raising an army in us. A pure breed. People that are solid, people that are complete. And so, if you've been evaluating your service and you think you're doing well, maybe you should reevaluate and say, Am I being spent for the cause of the gospel? Because sometimes we think the standard is those around, not realizing it's the word of God. Am I being spent? Spent. And so they were seeking the kingdom of God. You know, um, the disciples told Jesus, you know we left everything to follow you. We left everything. Praise the name of the Lord. So prayer is not an opportunity. You know, this spicy deal that Christians have, that helps them achieve their selfish ambition. Oh, I want. Is this guy wants? Ah, I will lock myself two weeks and pray. Is this house I've been looking at? I'll just spend like five hours 
there's this business deal I'm eyeing. I know I'm not qualified. But Jehovah overdo. It's not an opportunity for Christians to achieve their selfish ambitions. Let me show you one of the prayers of <laughs> In Matthew chapter 26, verse 53. I'm showing you the prayers of the man that said, You answer me, you hear me always. Look at it. Read together, everybody wants to go. I can't hear you want to go. see that so he says oh do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels so there are things Jesus could have prayed for that he did not pray for it will have benefited him but he did not pray for it the principle of selfless ambition if you don't know this story in Matthew 26 is when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and then the soldiers came and Peter brought out his sword and cut the head, the ear, I said head, the ear of one of the soldiers. And Jesus is like, stop that. You think if that's what I needed, I couldn't have asked the father and you send 12 legions of angels. But for me, it's more important that I'm doing what God will have me do than achieving what's convenient. Always remember that the man that said God hears him always had prayer points he could have prayed that he did not pray. The principle of selfless ambition. There's something in the Bible called praying amiss. Can I tell you something? Honestly, many of us would never say that we've prayed amiss. If the angels came that day, you say, see power. Power. You'll be shouting power on your way to hell. Because he came to die for us. And some of us think, oh my goodness, that praying amiss, a prayer point we prayed that we did not get answer to. Or maybe I was praying and missed. That's why God didn't answer me. No, you're wrong. He says, do you think I cannot now pray? And he will provide. He will provide. More than 12 legions of angels. You think I can't do that? And God will provide it. Let me tell you, if you don't know already, some of the prayers you prayed and you did not get answered, you were not praying amiss. You were praying in the will of God. You just haven't learned how to pray. You just haven't learned how to pray. You just haven't learned how to pray. Because when he was in garden, St. Matthew 26, and he was praying, he prayed the first time. He came to meet Peter sleeping, but he was not done praying. That he had prayed one at Demi, he was done praying. Many of us don't know when we are done praying. That's a problem. We think I've prayed is enough. Jesus and many theologians agree that in the garden he prayed three hours. 
three hours. One prayer point. One prayer point. If he prayed and he stopped before he was made to stop, he wouldn't see results. Another example is, is Elijah. Elijah prayed seven times for rain to fall. If he stopped before the seventh time, he wouldn't have seen rain. And he would have thought it was not the will of God. But rain falling that day was the will of God. And I'm going to show you, God told him ahead. So, so I'm saying this to say that some of the things you didn't get, it's not because God did not will it for you. It's not because God did not want it for you. It's not because you were praying amiss. You were praying in the will of God, but you hadn't learned the principles of prayer. You hadn't learned them. And some of the things you got, you probably were praying amiss. And that's why you didn't get them. Do you get what I'm saying? That's why I didn't get them. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. So let's look at a few verses from the Bible. James chapter 4 verse 3. James chapter 4 and verse 3. Read together, everybody, James chapter 4 and verse 3. It's not projected yet. It says, let me read it. It says, you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss. He said, because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Read together, everybody wants to go. So there's such a thing as asking amiss. Not all prayer points are okay. And I know we like to look at extreme ones and say, how you be praying for your enemy to die? It's not, it's not the will of God. But instead of looking outside, maybe you should look at yourself. It says you ask to fulfill it on your own lusts. This word pleasure there is lusts. You've been competing with somebody. And so you're saying, God, bless me with that car. At the corner of your heart, it will just elevate you in the competition. You know, I realize that sometimes when we say, God, do this for your glory, you actually meant, do it for my glory. I don't want to be put to shame. When you say, Lord, so that your name will not be put to shame, you actually have no business with God. You're talking about yourself. There's such a thing as praying amiss. You know the interesting thing about praying amiss? <laughs> there are four things that I've realized that might be present when you're praying amiss. The first one is that it might be something that you really want or something you need. You might be praying about something you want or you might be praying about something you actually need and you're praying amiss. Simple example, ah, Jesus was in the garden. These are people about to kill him. If it was you, wouldn't you want to be to escape? He at least wanted it. If he didn't want it, he wouldn't say, Father, let this cup pass over me. The second thing is that it might be something you feel happy or pleased with. 
And this is very ironic because in James, John chapter 16, verse 24, the Bible tells us about prayer. Jesus was the one speaking, and it's very interesting. He says, until now you've asked nothing in my name. He says, ask and you shall receive that your joy will be full. You know, there are people that think that God doesn't want us happy. If this is going to make you happy, God will not give you. This opportunity is coming. I'm getting too excited. It's not going to happen. It's not true. Listen, in situations like that, and many of you might have experienced it. You say, oh, I jinxed it. I was too excited. I said it too early. Uh-uh. That's not what happened. At situations like that, keep praying. Because the principle is this. Ask and you will receive that your joy will be full. Oh, it's making you excited. He wants that joy to be complete. So, it's not as if God is like, you're too happy, I'm not giving you. No! He wants you to receive, not just for his glory alone, but for your joy and your pleasure. Do you get what I'm saying? But sometimes we stop praying too early. I'm going to talk about that some other day. So, God wants you to be happy by the answers to prayers. Because there are people that get happy because they prayed. See, you will not know. I prayed throughout the week. Vigil, all through the week. That's the excitement, prayer. Not the prayers, you don't pray for prayer's sake. You pray for effects. Ask, not that you'd be happy that you've prayed. Eh -eh. That you will receive and then your joy will be full. So some people, all they get from their prayer is that they've prayed. And then there are people that think that God doesn't want you to be happy. The both of them are wrong. You are to ask so that you receive and your joy will be full. Is that okay? But you can also be praying and miss for something you like, something that will make you happy. The third thing I realize about praying and miss is that there might be provision in God's word for what you are asking for. Meaning, you can pick the scripture and pray for something there and you are praying amiss. For example, one of the prophecies in the life of Jesus is that God will prolong his days. And so, if he picked that promise now, that you said you will prolong my days, so I shall not die but live. Therefore, in accordance to your word, Angels, come. He would be praying, but you'll be praying amidst. Do you get what I'm saying? For another example is this. In Matthew chapter 4, in his temptation, the devil said, look, guy, jump from the top of the temple. He said, because it is written, he will give his angels charge over you. He says, they will bear you in their wings. You see that? So, it seems like there's provision in the word of God for what he's asking for. So, sometimes you might be praying about something and you see provision in the word of God for it. And you are praying amiss. Praise the name of the Lord. The fourth thing is where it's, most, it's, it's clearest is that what you're praying for is not the will of God for you at that time. Have you seen people that want something and you're like, it's not time yet. It's not time. Just wait a little bit. Just wait. There are people that ruin everything because they move too early. 
So sometimes what we want, God wants it for us. For example, God was going to prolong his days, but that's after his resurrection. That's why he's still alive. He has prolonged his days. Do you get what I'm saying? But at that time, it wasn't the will of God for him. So many times in prayer, you must find out what is God's customized verdict for you for that time. So you might have a nice job and God will say, keep that job. Don't lose it for any reason. If they say they want to sack you, kneel down and beg. It's not my God is a fighter. He can use basket to fetch water. Eh -eh. Kneel down and beg. The Almighty told the great prophet Samuel, whose words have never fallen to the ground, that when you meet Saul, don't tell him you are going to anoint King Go. Tell him you are going to go and offer sacrifice. Do you see that? He have said, what? Get it behind me, Satan. Mm, God forbid, I will never lie. I'm a man of God with integrity, full of the power and full of the spirit. Anything, if he tries to kill me, I will just declare him dead. And that's the end of the situation. Shame my word will never fail to the ground. I will just declare, I shall not die, but live. No matter what they want to do, I shall not die, but live. But that was not the will of God for him at that time. Do you see what I'm saying? So, you must find out the customized verdict for, of God for you. Yes, God has said, start the business. But is it now? Is, is it now he's saying to start it? Is it now? Somebody else might say, I want to be an entrepreneur. And God will say, leave that business. So, shut it down, close the account, and go and get a job. Because that's God's customized verdict. You see, this is why if you say you don't hear God, you're already in trouble. Because then how do you pray according to his will? Because sometimes we can bring the word and say, it is written, he will give his angels charge over you. Therefore, jump out of the window. Because how will you know he's giving his angels charge over you if you don't jump? Praise the name of the Lord. Should I go? Or I should not go. So, David was said to be a man that won all the battles he fought. But how? Before every battle, God, should I go? It was very interesting. Oh my goodness. They took his wife, took his children, took the wives of all his men. Because they went to battle. And David had to inquire of the Lord, should I go? He wasn't so emotional. The other men were so emotional, they wanted to kill him. But before going, should I go? Is my wife. I want to deliver her. I want to save her. I want to help my men. I'm a great leader. I must, I must fight for my people. But should I go? It's not, God has always told me to go and so I go. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. This is why Israel, in their battles, every battle, Lord, what's the strategy? How do we go for this particular one? Should we carry 3,000 men? we carry 300 men. You don't just calculate and say by my military strategy and my knowledge of warfare, this is what we need. Eh, eh. Oh, this guy is very sound in finance. 
you should be my business partner. This person has money and has interest for this business. So this person should be my business partner. Like fire, like rain, let your glory fall. Like fire, like rain, let it fall. I'm teaching you on selfless ambition. Meaning you are ambitious but selfless. Meaning if it's itching me, the opportunity is right. The business is sound. My business plan, the market is ready for me to enter. I have somebody that is ready to invest. The person has the money. The person is agreeing to my deals, to my terms of contracts. You must be able to sustain a state of heart that is ambitious but not selfless. God, should I go? If he says no, I'm okay with not going. This is one thing our parents had learned. They were satisfied in God. They were satisfied. And this is why many of them did not dip their hands in dirty things. And that's the problem with this generation. This is why they've been warning us. We are too, we are rushing. Be patient. It means wait until God says to go. Like fire, like rain, let your glory fall. Like fire, like rain, let it fall. I've explained to you what the glory of God means. It means the character of God that makes him outclass everything. Selfless ambition. You must be able to see that God is more important than everything in your life. He outclasses your ambitions. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If it's not to his glory, if it's not his will, let it go. It's a baptism of selflessness. Others might call you foolish. Others might call you stupid. Others might call you slow. Listen. It should not matter if you win at the end. It should not matter. My pastor said something that um, Reverend Sam Ademi said. He said, progress is being in the will of God, even if you are at the same spot. The problem is, we are too obsessed with looking around. Why am I still here five years? Why am I still here ten years? We can't honor God and say, He said I should stay, so I'm staying. He said I should stay. Why do you call yourself father of many nations? You have no child. Why don't you just call yourself any other name? Because God said that's my name. But when did He say it? Oh, five years ago. You are still calling yourself that? When did you say He even said it? Ten years ago. Like fire, like rain, let your glory fall. So it's more important that God is first than that people think I'm smart. 
It's more important that I'm in the will of God than for people to think that I'm a successful person. It's more important. So if I have to let the deal go, it's okay. Even if I don't win at the end. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, I've told you before, when we sing, I will make it. Jesus made it. He did. How did what did he make? He served God at the end of his life. We didn't hear that there were billions in his accounts. So nobody served God better than Jesus. But Solomon died richer than Jesus. It doesn't matter if you don't blow at the end, if you're in his will. Like fire, like rain, let your glory fall. I'm teaching you a selfless ambition. Because if we do not start here, just repeat a circle of error in this generation that is very competitive so you look at your your, your your mates in the world and say look at the cars they are driving ah God glorify yourself in my life <laughs> you know Jesus prayed that prayer and God said I have glorified it and he didn't translate into an an estate. It didn't translate into a car. I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm saying if it is not the will of God for you at that time, then great is the glory of God in your life, the state you are. Paul said, I would rather glory in my shame. The principle of selfless ambition. When you hear that Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you hear me always. <laughs> thank you, Lord. It's selfless ambition. Let me show you another scripture. In Matthew 26, 39 and 42. Look at Jesus with selfless ambition. Matthew 26, 39 and 42. It said, a little further, he fell on his face and prayed. He says, oh, father. If it is possible, read, want to go, let this cup pass over me. Nevertheless, what? He wanted it. It will have made him happy. He said, if it is possible. The same person that said all things are possible with God. Say, Father, if it is possible. So, you might be in a tough situation. I've told you this before. And it's the will of God that you stay there. He says, just stay there. Paul said, three times I've prayed to God to take this thing from me. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Stay there. We read that the crossover service. I think it was Romans 3, thereabouts. Romans 5, 3. Yeah. He said, that's somebody that listens. I've told you put to marry well. <laughs> he said, he said, he talked about the beauty of the gospel. And then he said, we rejoice, with joy in persecution, in tribulation. 
we joy, we rejoice. So it's tough, God's like, stay there. And not only will you stay there, be rejoicing as you are in that place. That's what happened to Jesus. Are you hearing me? Selfless ambition. Doing what God will have you to do. Because sometimes when God tells you to do something, to be tough. Sometimes he tells you to do something and it's exciting. But no matter where it is. Now look at verse 42. He says again the second time. He went away and prayed saying, read together everybody wants to go. that if this cup cannot pass over me unless I drink it your will be done so now he has now he has switched his prayer for him it's important that the will of God is done father I thank you that you hear me always he prayed selfless prayers for him it's important that it's the will of God As I was going to show you what happened in the life of Elijah. When we study the prayer of Elijah, and all you know is effectual heartfelt prayer. You haven't started from the beginning of the prayer. So, 1 Kings 18, everybody open your Bibles. And I'll read verse 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you in First King 18, 1? All right. It says, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So what came to Elijah? All right. He said, in the third year, saying, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. The will of God. Do you see that? He said, go present yourself to Ahab. He says, and I will send rain to the earth. You will think you just come and meet Ahab. And Ahab will say, what's happening? I can hear wind. I can hear breeze. What's that dropping? It's drizzling. It's raining. And, Abraham, and, and Elijah will just walk away. No, that's not what happened. Then Elijah went to pray. So, Elijah didn't just go to pray because, uh uh-uh, they are trying me in this state. You know what? It will not rain. Even though he said it will not rain except by my word. It started here. It started here. God has said, this is what will happen. Selfless ambition. So, you just say, it will not rain. The God of Elijah is my God. He is your God. But there's something such a thing as selfless ambition. This is where prayer starts from. Prayer starts when the will of God is known. Say that after me. Prayer starts when the will of God is known. Say it with some gusto. Prayer starts when the will of God is known. Please say one more time. 
So, if the will of God is not known, it's not time to pray yet. You can pray and know the will of God. But it starts when the will of God is known. What has God said? What has God said? One more scripture, and then I'll begin to descend in this teaching. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. I want us to all read this one as loud as we can. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1 is projected. Read together, everybody wants to go. Ask the Lord for rain. Do you see that? He says, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. In the time when God already wants it to rain, ask him for rain. When it's already in the will of God, the program of God, then ask him for rain. Prayer starts when the will of God is known. Prayer starts when the will of God is known. He says, the Lord would make flashing clouds, thunders. He says, and he would give showers of rain and grass on the field of everyone. But it was a selfless ambition. Ask for rain when it's the time of the latter rain. So is that how we've been praying? Is that how we've been praying? This is why I say I'm teaching you superior principles of effective prayers. Is that how you've been praying? You've been praying all your life. You prayed all through last year. You prayed and fasted at the beginning of this year. You've been praying till April. Have you been praying? Have you been asking for rain in the time of the latter rain? Have we been asking for rain in the time of the latter rain? What has God said? What has he said? What has he said that you are now praying about? He has already said, go and meet Ahab and I will make it rain. Then Elijah goes to pray about it. Even in that one, he prayed seven times. But realized he started with a selfless ambition. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you must pray until you know the will of God. And then when you know the will of God, you now start the prayer. What's the will of God for your spiritual life? What's the will of God for your prayer life? Do you know that's important? How many hours would God have you pray every day? We underestimate how important that statement alone is. Or that question alone is. We underestimate how important that question alone is. How long will he have you pray every day? When will he have you pray every day? You are claiming in the realm of the Spirit. There's no night, there's no day. The God that told you to pray in the night, did not know that. Ask for rain in the time of the latter rain. Peter woke up from sleep and said he wanted to pray. Jesus said it's too late. It's the hour of darkness. 
when would God have you pray? If you don't know how long God will have you pray, go and work on your prayer life. Just keep praying. Keep adjusting the duration. Keep increasing the duration. Some of you don't know that maybe God will have you pray two hours every day. You are doing your cute one hour, 30 minutes. I hear what I'm saying. When will he have you pray? When will he have you pray? Maybe God would have you be a radical miracle worker. Of course, he wants everybody to do miracles, but maybe he wants you to cause the rain to fall. I've told you this before. Please pay attention. It can be in the will of God for you and he will not tell you. Have you noticed this? Now, many of you that are very prayerful know this. That you just decide, ah, why is my spiritual life like this? Let me pray. And then you spend time maybe fasting, praying, keeping vigils, just in retreats. And God will start talking to you. Telling you things he needs you to do. Giving words he needs you to give someone. As you are telling the person, the person is like, Jesus, this is exactly what I needed. And that's the one of prayer. And you're like, wait, you had all these things in mind and you did not tell me. You know what Jacob said? God was here. He was waiting for me. He said, I did not know. You know, God wasn't just walking around the earth and he just decided to rest somewhere. And then it happened that Jacob was there. You know that's not what happened. God wanted to encounter Jacob. But he did not know. I'm saying God might want you to be a miracle worker. And you will not know. Is when you spend some time in prayer. He will now show you. And said, you see, they are praying for a few sick people in church and they are getting healed. But that's not where we are going to. We are going to raise the dead. We are going to heal the cripple. We are going to open blind eyes. We are going to stop deaf ears this year. Because we've said one day, but God can say this year. The Lord can tell you once every month, I want you to go out, go and evangelize and pray for the sick. That's important. What has God told you? What has he told you? What has he told you? Concerning your family, what has God told you? We don't know how important this is. Many of us, our parents told us, I was praying for you from when you were in the womb. You have no plans to do it. And that's why the Lord is sending this teaching to you. Some of you, maybe your parents said, I've been praying for you even before I got married to you, your father. You've not gotten married yet. You are not doing the same thing. Some of you, your people have told you, even your friends have told you, your mother's prayer is working for you. The baton is about to change hands. And it's time for you to begin to pray. It's time for you to begin to pray for your family, the family you are part of right now. There's a reason why you know more than you, more than they know, quote and unquote. It's so that you would pick up from where they stopped and change the trajectory. That's important. Many of our parents were born into idol worship. 
you were not born into idol worship. You are meant to do better. Many of them can hold things in prayer and change situations, but you can't. But you claim you know more. What's the problem? If they were like this when they were your age, would you be here? It's time to pick those battings. It's time to fight those battles. The battling has been handed over to you. You see, many of us know that Apostolos album and talks about the battling being handed over to you. But we don't know how to practically apply it. How does it apply to you and I? Because if you, if you pray very well, you realize that whether it's in ministry, and I'll touch ministry, or it's in family life, the baton has been handed over. They have begun telling you, be praying about this thing. Things they used to pray about, they've started handing it over to you to pray. Make sure you, are you praying about this thing? You are telling them yes, but you're not praying. What has God said concerning the situation? Let's say you are skeptical that there's no witch disturbing your family. Have you prayed and is that what God told you? Do you know that's important? There's such a thing as descending of spirits. So the baton has been handed over to you. It's time for you to wage warfare. Are you hearing me? It's time for you to settle down. All this place, stop. Fast, pray, keep vigil, pray. Break the yoke of wickedness in your family. Break it. Don't think if I travel, they will not see me. You are joking. You already said there's no distance in the spirits. Abi. What has God said concerning that situation? What has God said? In the same first Kings 18 where we read, when Elijah was done, he gathered the prophets of Baal and said, Today we will decide who is God. Whether it's Baal or it's Jehovah. And he demonstrated the power of God. Same thing Paul did when he went to Ephesus. By the time he was done with their idols, they gathered everything. The people, they, they forsook their idols. Yahweh, your name is Yahweh. Worship him. You are the miracle walking God. Listen, listen. Proof that he's the miracle walking God through your life. Listen, let the trajectory of that family change. Your, your old folks have tried. They've worn themselves out praying. It's time for you to pray. It's time for you to pray. It's time for you to demonstrate superior authority. Demonstrate superior power. It's time. It's time for you to begin to pray, oh my goodness, for transgenerational blessing. You know what the mother of Samuel said? She went to God in prayer. He says, give me a son and he will save you. So, the question of what if your son identifies as a woman cannot exist? Give me a son. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, the guy was born to serve God. I'm saying this because it looks like the world has swallowed us up. There's darkness everywhere. But I'm saying it's not true. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Last week we said that light is what? A friend says light is offensive. So light doesn't cower in the midst of darkness. Uh uh. You are light. If there's darkness in the world, shine as light. 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 What it means is this. In the systems of the world, you can change things. And maybe you will not finish the work in your generation. This is why praying for your children is important. They will pick the button from you and continue the same race. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, others can be scared what their children will turn to. That's not your concern. I would establish light in my region, in my city. I would change. Let me tell you something. Do you realize that when our parents got born again, like I said, they were born into idol worship. There was no Christianity. But they have increased the ratio of Christianity to where it is now. Such that globally, you know, Christianity is the most populous religion in the world. That's not what it has always been. That's not what it was in this nation. It wasn't even existent. But they brought it to where it is. It is our responsibility to increase the ratio. That's what we don't realize. Now, something you should also learn is this. How they did it was by prayers, destroying witchcraft covens, you know, destroying idols, mass evangelism, crusades, street evangelism. They prayed until their siblings got saved, until their parents got saved. They destroyed witchcraft in their village. Many of them will go back home and do crusades. Now you've picked up the button. Don't just go their way. Ask for your strategy. Lord, what is my strategy for shining as light in my generation? So, you hear that Moses went to deliver the children of God from Israel. How? By miracles. Demonstration of power. But when Joseph, Joshua that was to take them to the promised land, he went through warfare. He went by a different strategy. God said, this is how you would go. Ask God for your own strategy. Ask God for your own strategy. How can light shine in my generation? What is my corporate, my personal responsibility? What's our corporate responsibility? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to realize that the crusades, they, they, they didn't have a reference point. It wasn't like when the, the idol worshippers used to do crusades once in a while. No. It was the strategy that God gave them. They could have seen it anywhere, but it was the strategy that God gave them. So when you say, I'm praying for the spread of the gospel in my region, that's cute and that's fine. But what is the strategy? When you know the strategy, then you will ask for rain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If he wants to give rain, then you ask for rain. What is the strategy? Then you begin to pray on it. 
That's how light will shine. That's how light will shine. So your service units, in the deliverables they've given you in church, what is God saying about this thing I'm doing? He might now give you a strategy and say, make sure, let's say for videography, for example, make sure so, 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 so happens. This number of videos go out. This time. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you why this is important. Many of you know, I should believe all of you know about Apostle Selman, right? Good. Years ago, the Lord gave me a strategy. And said, you will record your messages. You would upload the audio messages. Many of us heard him for a long time before we ever saw a picture of him or a video of him or maybe him in a meeting. So, while everybody might have been uploading their sermons or not uploading their sermons, some might have been uploading their videos, God gave him a strategy. That strategy was what blew him. It was in doing what God has said this. And so, God took the message and threw it around the world because that was the strategy. So in your service unit, in your school, in your office, in your business, Father, what is the strategy? What are you saying? If you are looking around and say, this is what others do, you are wrong. You are wrong. If Joshua did what Moses did, he might have got into serious trouble. But God gave him his strategy. This is, this is just part one of this series. I want you to go and spend time and find out what is God saying. As an individual, personally, what is God, what's my role in the spread of the gospel in my region? What is the strategy? And so when he gives you the strategy, others might not be doing it, but you must stay faithful to it. What has God told you? In your school, where you are, what has God said? Maybe he has said you are light in this entire school. Like Jake, Jeremiah, you say, but I'm a child. You say, no, 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 don't say that. When Moses was going to meet Pharaoh, he says, how, how will they listen to me? Then God gave him a strategy. Cast your rod. It's not that he was just strolling with his rod and then he just got to Pharaoh and said, what should I even do? And then he cast it. Eh, eh. He asked for the strategy before he left. What's your strategy? The gospel will be popular in my city, in my school, in my office, in my business. What has God told you? What's the strategy? Because you can have a mandate on your life and you will not know. Go and find out. The Lord told me that false prophets are rising. What we said last week was that light would expose darkness. We have a responsibility to expose and quench darkness. It's time to prepare. It's time to prepare. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's time to prepare. On that thing he said was this. Many of us have said it. Many of you have thought about it. Many of you have daydreamed about it. That you would heal the sick. 
on the streets. The Lord said that was his call prodding you. He was showing you what he wants you to do. It's time to prepare for it. It's not someday. It's now. It's time to ask for rain. It's time to pray that vision out. It's time to pray until you are sure that the cripple will be healed. That the blind will see. Some of you are, you've said it, you've prophesied it, that the dead will be raised through your hands. It's time to pray. Because what the Lord is sending us to do is demonstrate his power in remarkable ways. For our generation, you know what the Bible says about the latter rain and the former rain, everything coming together. It's not only the wisdom of God that would make us prevail. So it's not just by, you know, intelligence and the wisdom, you know, and IT and all of those things. No, but also the power of God that will demonstrate raw power of God. That will stand before the prophets of Baal and quench their, their powers. So what he's saying you should do in your family is the beer. Is the training in the wilderness. So that when you come out, you say, I fought the bear. I fought the lion. Now, who is that prophet of Baal? So we have to reevaluate our prayer lives. There's, there's some, we are, we are not, we're not getting it right yet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to quench darkness around you. Quench it. And some of you have to realize, some of you, that there's a timetable for you. There's a time frame that God wants you to do this thing. It's not forever. Goliath has a time he will come out. The soldiers had a time they will come out. You must have won the battle and finished the fight before Goliath comes out. Before, the, before it's the hour of darkness. You must have finished the fight. There's time. There's time to these things. I need you to be ambitious for a selfless cause. I hear what I'm saying. I want you to pray until God starts talking to you. If you don't know, you are not praying enough if he has not stayed talking. So you keep praying. And many of you that, are, that have a prayer history know what I'm saying. You keep praying. Sometimes you say you pray two hours every day. Day one, he won't say anything. Day two, he won't say anything. Day three, sometimes after two weeks, then he will now begin to direct you. The reason is this. I've taught you this already. I'll probably teach it in this series. The reason for prayer, getting results is the last one. There's fellowship with God. There's transformation. What God does is throughout that period is he's changing you into the man that when he shows you the darkness he wants you to defeat, you won't cower. If I say that, if I say that you're going to, you know, face cultists and face witches and face wizards and quench the power of herbalists and you are scared you haven't prayed when you have prayed you will be confident when you've prayed you go and meet pharaoh and say let my people go you will you have command of the supernatural so if you are not confident yet you have not prayed this is what we said prayer is building up yourself i hear what i'm saying Meaning, those virtues, those when you go to the gym to build up, they are not, it's not like they are stuffing muscles into your arm and putting muscles into your packs. No, 
is that what you have, you develop it. What is in your spirit, you make it effectual. If there's miracle walking power, if you're seated in heavenly places, listen, this is why even those that don't understand theology well can have powerful deliverance ministries. Because when you pray, they might waste a lot of time but even you, you know that they are more confident than you in fighting darkness. You know you are settled in heavenly places. You know in his name you cast out devils, but you are scared. They might not know, but when they pray, when they pray, when they... This is why, you know, deliverance and the prayer life is synonymous. They go together. Because when you pray, ah, the confidence is different. I want you to pray. I want you to spend time praying. One of the things we'll be doing in churches all through this month, all our morning devotions will be prayer. Wake up and pray. You're not a child. Wake up. Pray. Are you hear what I'm saying? Pray. Pray. When you pray, you will know the will of God. When you pray, because we say access to divine secrets is one of the reasons why we pray. When you pray, you will know the will of God. Prophetess Anna, the Bible says she prayed for decades and she knew what the will of God is. And then when you pray, you'll be bold. You will face the powers of darkness and your knees will not buckle. I was thinking about it today. That the first time I did deliverance, I'd not even watch anybody do deliverance. I was in just SS2. But we're not afraid. Many of you have passed SS2, yet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And obviously I'm not the standard. I'm saying that let's do better. We can't compare what we're even saying we want to face with what our parents had to face. Those ones, they were facing raw demonic powers. But we'll do more. Because the former reign and the latter reign, he will bring everything. But when God says it, then you pray. Is that okay? With relationships, I want you to pray. With your health, I want you to pray. I get it. You're doing your cute prayer and pampering the sickness. It's time to pray. Stop it right now. Those generational and lineage sicknesses, stop them. Stop them. Stop them. Stop them. Stop them. Settle down and knock off the power of darkness. Are you hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying you've not prayed. I'm saying what has God said? You pin it down. <laughs> you pin it down. Jacob told the angel, I will not let you go until you bless me. We've not learned that thing. Where you stay on one thing and pray. During this series, we're going to have protracted prayers. I think the third or fourth week, on Sunday like this, we'll spend time praying. We'll spend time praying. So I'm preparing you for it, and I want you to prepare yourself. I wish we wouldn't even have to lead prayers that day. You just come and say two things. My devotional life, what are you saying? What direction? What way? Ministry, what are you saying? This my service unit, I'm not sure. I'm playing. What, what's your plan? How do I play a role in the big picture of making the gospel popular in my region? 
where I am. If the power of darkness is there, how can I descend? How can I break it? How can I deliver people in my family? With health, with habits. Something some of you might not have realized is that throughout the series on habits, every week, we had a point on prayer, 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 because that's how it will break. I hear what I'm saying. Say, I will pray, and I'll bet the will of God. Say one more time, I will pray, and I'll bet the will of God. Have you been blessed this morning?